Well, good morning, Open Door Fellowship Church. It is Caleb Lynch back with you, and gosh, do I miss you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the worship so far this morning. We've got a great rest of our morning uh, to go. I hope you enjoyed some of those announcements, too. We're excited about what's next, and uh, thanks for praying with us last week. That was, a, that was an important, important uh, day for us as a church, and so we thank you for joining us. I hope it blessed you as well. I hope you enjoyed getting some time a way to pray and be with the Lord, and uh, if not, you can still go onto our website and download uh, that that prayer form. I believe it's still there, um, and if not, we can get you a copy of it, but you can still spend some time with the Lord and then have a day of prayer, even if you missed last week, so um, thanks for joining us. Well, hey, we are we are currently uh, right now in a in a series called Stuck. We've had a couple of weeks of it. We've got this week and next week left, and then we're going to jump into the book of Hosea. So be ready for that. That's going to be a, a crazy one. I don't know if we've ever taught through the book of Hosea at Open Door Fellowship in 40-something years, so I'm going to give it a stab. Um, but this week, we are teaching, um, we're, we're going to be teaching on being stuck, but being stuck particularly in our past, being stuck in our past. And so I'll get more clearly to what that means and what we're referring to there, um, but stuck in our past, that is, that is the title for this morning, and I hope these words bless you. Let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump right in. Lord, one of the most incredible things to me about this life in Christ um, is that it's not just for our future, it's not just for someday getting to... Uh, be in heaven. Um, it is for now. There is, there is fullness of life to be found right now. And Lord, I know for myself there are times where I feel like I am stuck in the past. And so Lord, these words uh, today I hope bless many and I hope, Lord, that you use them to free us from our pasts in ways that allow us to move in, into a, a phenomenal now and a phenomenal future. We trust you, Lord. We give you this time. We give you um, this day. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys okay if I uh, spend some time in the Bible today? I know your pastor opening up God's Word. I know, I know. Sorry, it's church. We're going to do it. Um, but no, we're, we've got some verses to get to. And even if you had told me no, you're not okay with it, I'm recording this like two days before you're even seeing it. You don't even have a chance to stop me. So here we go. I suppose you could turn your TV off. That's one solution if you don't like the Bible. But we like the Bible here. We actually think it is life-changing. We actually think there's power and hope and freedom and life to be found on the pages of it. And if you don't own one, come talk to us. We'd love to give you one. So the story, uh, the story goes like this. I, I'm probably eight to ten years old. If, if I had to guess, I'm eight to ten years old. And me and my cousin Michael Martin, some of you know Michael Martin, we are riding our bikes through the neighborhood on a hot summer day like young kids should. Nowadays, kids don't even know what a bicycle is because they're indoors on screens. Um, but back in the day, kids, we used to ride these things called bicycles. And we would ride them even if it was 117 out. We just didn't care. Anyways, this is one of those days. And uh, Michael and I were riding, and this lady is sitting out on her front porch. Even though it's 117, she's sitting out on her front porch, and she signals to us. And like the golden uh, days of the past, we actually go and talk to this stranger. Um, and she says, hey, do you guys want some squirt guns? Squirt guns. 
And we said, of course we want squirt guns. And so she runs inside real quick and then comes back out with squirt guns. Now these squirt guns, they were about as cheap as you could buy. Imagine like the cheapest plastic squirt gun you could buy. And they had printed on them some kind of branding for some organization. So they were some like promotional thing and they were these cheap little squirt guns, but we thought we were just given the keys to the world. Uh, we were super excited. And so um, we're like, yes, these squirt guns are amazing. They're tiny little things, but we're thinking they're awesome. And they have like some bank name on the side of them, whatever it was, I don't even remember. But um, she sees our excitement and she goes, hey guys, I have trash bags full of these. And she, she might as well have just said, I have a million dollars to give you. We were like, what is happening? So she literally pulls out one full, one of the big 50-gallon black trash bags. She pulls out one full one for my cousin Michael and one for me. And we've got them slung over our backs and we're riding back to my house like we have just um, arrived. And we get back to my house and we, we play with a few of them and we try them out and they're working like great. And fast forward, uh, Michael has now gone home with his trash bag full of squirt guns. I now have mine. And this is a true story, no, no truth of a lie here. Um, I'm, I'm a little like OCD when it comes to things at times. I like my things the way I like my things. And I take out all 75 squirt guns that are in this trash bag and I begin to organize them. I know this is odd to hear from your pastor, but I begin to organize them. And what I do is I figure out which one shoots the furthest and which one shoots the straightest and which one gives you the biggest spread and which one makes your finger the most tired when you shoot it. And I've got them dialed in. I've ranked them. I've put ones that are best over here and the ones that are worst in a different bag. And I've got them all dialed in. And I know my top eight squirt guns and I know the rest are garbage. Fast forward again, Michael comes over for uh, a, a day of just playing together. And we invite a bunch of friends over, realizing that we've got something great to play with. And so we invite about eight to 10 friends over to swim in the pool and play with some squirt guns. I pull out my eight worst squirt guns and give them to my friends. And um, here's the truth of the matter. Uh, we're playing, we're having a great time. And at one point I, I leave to go use the restroom and I come back out and Michael has gone under my bed and grabbed the entire bag of my other 75 squirt guns and he's passed them out to all my friends. And they're playing with them. Each person has got like seven saddled up on them and we're just having, they're having the best time. They're diving into the pool and shooting each other. And I come back and I literally, this is no joke, I'm, I'm eight to 10 years old, I start crying because my precious squirt guns were being used for play time. Are you kidding me? Playtime? And so I lose it. And I go into my mom and I'm like, he's sharing my squirt guns. He shouldn't be sharing my squirt guns. And I go back outside like a little something, little bratty kid. And I start taking all the squirt guns away from everyone and putting them back in the bag and reorganizing them. I'm like, those are my squirt guns. No joke. One of the friends, this was not Michael Martin at this time. I will not uh, disclose the name. One of my friends says, Caleb, you are the most selfish person I know. You are the most selfish person that I know. I, uh, to this day, I, I have many, many times heard that voice 
in my head. Um, Caleb, you're the most selfish person I know. It's crazy, right? Like, like a little story of when I was 8 to 10 years old. I don't even remember how old I was. I don't even remember what was on the squirt guns. I couldn't even tell you what color they are. That's partially because I'm colorblind. We'll get to that later. But what I do remember is that day, one of my dear friends claimed I was the most selfish person he knew. There's times where I used it as an excuse. Something won't go my way or I'll do something wrong or, or, or I, I, I can't even give you specifics, but in my, I'll, I'll actually say it out loud. I'll say, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of a selfish person. I have worn that badge my entire life. This is 20-something years now that I have carried that badge of, you're a selfish person. It's a silly story, but I wear that at times. Something from my past that now currently affects my present. If you ever want to, I'd be happy to take you out to coffee and tell you the ones that aren't as silly of a story that I carry with me at times. But if I, if I carry them, I know that many of us carry things from our past that affect our present. Oftentimes, those very things cause us to be stuck in those moments, in those pasts, in those reputations, in those decisions, in those regrets. And what I can tell you today is that I believe God's word has some hope for those situations. I'm going to read you a couple little verses here, but I want to start by saying this. Oftentimes, it's those closest to you that keep you the most stuck, right? They remember who you were. They remember what you've done. Sometimes, as you've begun to let it go, they'll say, no, 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 no. I, I know who you are. Remember? It's amazing how sometimes those closest to you are the ones that can keep you the most stuck. Let's talk about Jesus for a second, okay? So this is a verse, Mark 6, 1 through 4. It says this, he went away from there, and he came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done in his hands? Listen to this next part. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and and Hosea and jo Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters with us here? And they took offense at him. And then Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and, and among his relatives and in his own household. They're like, wait, hold up. We, we know who this guy is. Like he's Joe's boy. Are you kidding me? He was that carpenter boy. What's he doing, doing these mighty miracles of God? What's he doing, teaching these ways? Other versions say they were appalled by it. It's interesting. Sometimes those closest to you will not let you change, right? Like they're the ones that say, no, 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 no. I remember who you were. You got any friends like those? 
I have good news for you. There is another voice that um, I hope at some point, maybe even today, becomes a louder voice in your story. His name's Jesus, and he, uh, he doesn't see you defined by your past. He actually sees you defined by his past, by what he did, by his works, by his wounds, by his scars. We'll get to more of that here in a second. I want to tell you another, another story. This is Luke 7, 36 through 50. Uh, this is a, they title this in my Bible, in the ESV, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. We'll start in 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined. It's talking about Jesus. At the table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, he brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, uh, he said to himself, when the Pharisee, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, I love this part, it's like he read his mind. And Jesus, answering to him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, well, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, yeah, you've judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. Isn't that beautiful? Turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. <laughs> Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and she has wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not, not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the, women, your, 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 said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus, don't you know who this lady is? Yeah, she's not going to be defined by her sins. She's going to be defined by the forgiveness of a Savior. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but if you really were someone important, you would know that this girl is a sinner. I know her sins are many, but what we're going to define her by from here on out is something a little different. We're going to define her by my forgiveness. Some of you need to know that. Yeah, your sins are many. But there is one who is ready to free you from them so that you may go in peace. Most are happy to define you by your past. Jesus came to define you by himself, which means washed free from your past. Beautiful verse in Romans 8.1, you've heard it. But think about these words. Listen to these words for a second. It says this in Romans 8, 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no, like the, the, the word no means zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that, is that astounding to you, that reality? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. I told you I was going to read some verses. You guys okay? You hanging in there with me? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's new. He's a new creation. That old, that's passed away. Behold, the new has come now. All this is from God. You wonder where the new came from? All of it is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What a gift. Through Jesus Christ, he says, I'm going to take all that past, all that darkness, all that old junk, I'm going to pay for it so that you can come near, so that I can reconcile you to God. Unbelievable. I'm going to make you new. That is... In Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, listen to this, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who did not know any sin to be sin. So we, who knew sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing that through him, the one that had no junk took on all of our junk so that we could be freed from it and be defined now by the righteousness of Christ Jesus. The very thing, the very essence that makes God pure and righteous and holy is now ours to be had because he took the junk that was supposed to define us, that was supposed to disqualify us, that was supposed to keep us on the outs. And he took that and he said, I'll take it on myself so that now you can be fully defined by me. Come on now. That's good stuff. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Appreciate that. Your mistakes are no match for his grace. There is nothing from your past that the cross was not strong enough to cover. Your regrets... They've already been reconciled. No one's view of you is more powerful or can trump out the view of God if you'll let it be true in your heart. If you'll let that voice be the strongest. Don't let those others around you that say, wasn't he Joe's boy? We remember that carpenter boy. Remember her? She was that sinner. I remember the way she used to party. No, 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 no. She's probably never changed. Look, he is saying that you are righteous, that you are whole, that you are new, that you are found in him without blemish. Unbelievable. When he says your sins are forgiven, he says they're forgiven. That's good news. They call that good stinking news, huh? Others can surely keep you stuck in the past, but you know who oftentimes keeps you the most stuck in the past? Look at me. You know who oftentimes keeps you the most stuck in your past? It's you. It's you. you do. Right? I mean, like you're the one who knows all your deepest, darkest thoughts. You're the one 
who knows all the things you've done. You're the one who knows all your shortcomings that you try to play around, the backhand that you tried to hide. You're the one that knows them. So who would be the one to disqualify you more than you? Remember the story of Moses? Remember Moses had made some mistakes and he ran away from his royal position in Egypt and, 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 then, he, and then he wandered for a while. He found some, like, some hippies out on the outside of town. He hung out with them for a while. Remember, remember the story of Moses? And then one day, all of a sudden, he's, he's going along and there's this bush that's like talking to him. It's on fire, but it's like not burning up and it starts talking to him. I, go read it. It's in the Bible. I didn't make this up. Don't take it up with God. But there's a bush that's burning and he walks up to it, and the bush tells him to take his shoes off, first of all. It's kind of weird. He says, like, hey, this is holy ground. So Moses takes his shoes off. And then the bush tells him that Moses, after all of his junk, after all of his mistakes, after all of his sins, he says, look, I'm, I'm going to send you back, and you're going to be the one to free my people. There's millions of them back there in Egypt, and they're living in captivity, and I'm going to actually use you to free my people. So I want you to go back to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. And, and Moses goes, are you sure you got the right guy? Like, are you, maybe, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't, maybe you forgot a little bit about, about me. And God does this crazy thing. You remember the story? He goes, what's that in your hand? Moses goes, I, I got a stick. And he goes, throw it on the ground. So Moses throws it on the ground, and, um, he, and it turns into a snake. He goes, now pick it up, picks it up by the tail, and the thing turns back into a stick. He goes, use that. That might help. Like, if they're not going to believe you, use that. Moses is like, yeah, I still think you might have the wrong guy. And then he has him do these couple other little things. He sticks his hand in his pocket, and it turns to leprosy, and then he pulls it back out, and it's changing. Crazy stuff. Shows him these mighty miracles. And then I want to read you what Moses says. Remember, oftentimes it's you that can disqualify you the most. Look, look what he says. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, I love this. Who, who, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not the Lord? Now therefore go, and I, will we, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. And what did he say? What did Moses say? Oh my Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> if God says, like, I'm going I'm to actually like speak through you, that'd be a good opportunity to say, yes, Lord, let's do this thing. But Moses, so stuck in his past and his shortcomings, says, you got the wrong guy. God's like, are, are, are you kidding me? Like, I just, and he goes, yeah, but my mouth, Lord, I, I, I don't have good speech. I can't, and God goes, the issue's your, your mouth? Like, who do you think makes mouths? Like, I, I thought maybe you'd be worried about the fact that there's a million Jews in captivity and somehow we got to get them out of town without anyone knowing and then get them across a mile wide river and then feed them for the next 30 years wandering through the wilderness. I thought those were going to be your issues. I got, I'm going to take care of that too. But we're talking about a mouth? That I can handle. 
It's hard, right? Because there's no one that knows you best. You know your thoughts when you put your head on the pillow. And, and I want to tell you this. Um, I wonder if your stuckness, I wonder if you've been your biggest problem. Honey, we told you it was time to find a new church. Look at me. There is nothing, no shortcoming, no junk that you've ever done that God isn't big enough to overcome. Like, like, like nothing. Like he actually thinks you're amazing. Like he delights in you. Like he sees you as a vital piece to his kingdom come. That we're going to talk about mouse, right? Like he's he, there, there's nothing about you that disqualifies you from him using you for good and for your good and for the good of his people. Trust me on this. Go open up the Bible sometime and read from the beginning to the end. Scroll through it. Look at the people he chooses to use for his kingdom. Unbelievable. Look at the people he chooses to use. Okay, so it's one thing to leave your pain in the past, your shortcomings in the past. But some of you, I can fall into this category sometimes. Some of you are stuck in the past because of something amazing. Right? It's easy to say, all right, I'm going to leave, that, I'm gonna leave that, that bad stuff in the past. Like, i got to get past that, and God's good, and he's got something good for me, and, and I'm going to leave that back there. But some of us are stuck because of something, like, amazing from our past. Like, maybe we, were, we, we had a big shot job. Or, or maybe we had a spouse that um, was amazing but he or she left us for someone else. Or, or, or maybe, maybe we, we, we had a house that we once owned when we had a better income that was phenomenal and it had this pool and it had this and it had that. And now our lives don't represent the life we think we ought to have and we're discontented and we feel stuck and we feel like my life is in shambles and it's never what it was in the past. Some, some of you are stuck because... You're waiting for that amazing season of your life from the past to resurface into your now. Remember what Paul said? We just read this in, in, in Philippians. This is an astounding thought when you think about this. Listen to this. This is Philippians 3, 4 through 9. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence, I, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, I was a Pharisee, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But listen to these next words. But whatever I gain, I had. Whatever all the good that I had done, whatever I had, all the good, he's talking about good right here. Like he was, he was awesome when it came to, to the world's view of awesome. He says, look, I, ha I had it all. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count 
actually everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them all rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but one that comes not from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Go, go, go read through the book of Acts sometime. The staff right now, we're, during our morning devotionals, we're reading through the book of Acts. And I'm telling you right now, it would have been so easy for Paul to get stuck because he had it made in the past. We, we read through, as we're going through Acts, and this is the story of Paul's journeys and different things, and the guy's getting, like, beat up. Like, he's getting run out of town, he's getting beaten, he's getting thrown in jail, he's getting put in stocks that are, like, distorting his body, and he's going, look, all that that I had in the past, all that stuff that was amazing, look, it's, I, I don't need it. I'm going to be okay without it. That's, that's a man free right there. That's a man that has found that the fullness of life is found in Christ alone. He doesn't get stuck hoping that his life looks like it might in the past. Remember, he, he, he could do no wrong. Can you imagine, Paul? Like, you, you hear this all the time. You see people going around, and they're like, wait, 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 do you know who I am? Like, do, do you know who I am? They use their past, their accomplishments, their prestige, their wealth to say, I, I don't deserve this right here. Do you, do, do you know who I am? Sometimes we do that to ourselves. We have a really hard time experiencing the now. We get so stuck in the past because we go, do you, do you know who I, who I was? Do you know what I had? Do you know how I rolled? And we can't, we can't move to the next. We can't see what's in front of us. We can't appreciate what the now has for us because do you, do you know who I was? What if, um, what if you're waiting for things to get back to great and um, maybe the great is going to look a lot different this time. Maybe you are in the great right now and you can't see it because you're so stuck in the past of what great was supposed to look like. Hmm. I wonder. So what's the consistency in all of this? Let me say it this way. Christ is alive in you, and he has something for you right now. As long as you've got air in those lungs, he has something for you right now, regardless of your past, regardless of your mistakes, regardless of how great your life maybe once looked and it maybe doesn't look the same right now. I promise you right now, he has something for you in this moment in the moment that you are in right now. Sometimes all you got to do is just lift that head up and say, God, I, I see you working. Even when I can't feel it, you know that song? Even when I can't feel it, I see that you're working. The next thing, it's going to take you hearing him as the louder voice than others. We talked about that. You're going to have to hear his voice louder than anyone else. You're going to have to believe that by him, your past no longer disqualifies you. What you've done or experienced in the past 
does not disqualify you now for a life of fullness in the future because you are in Christ Jesus. Another thing, there's nothing about you that, it, that he is not bigger than. There's no shortcoming that you have that he can't overcome. It doesn't mean he's going to change you. It might be the very thing he uses for you and for others and for his purposes. Remember, remember what Paul says? I figured out something. It's my weakness. When I'm weak, then he's strong. So I'm going to boast in my weakness now. I'm going to be excited about my shortcomings because in those shortcomings, I know that God is going to show up. That's a powerful statement when you think about what Paul's saying. And finally, you're going to have to start believing that because Christ is in you, Literally, the spirit of the living God indwells you. Your best days are right now. Your best days are in front of you. They're not something from the past that you're trying to get back to. The best days, as Paul says, I count everything. The word everything is a big deal. Everything, I count everything as rubbish other than the reality of knowing that Christ indwells me and that I may be found in him, with him, through him, that's the good days. That's the fullness of life. It's not some event or some job or some house or some girl or some whatever. It is Christ Jesus within you. Those are the great days. It's going to change your perspective to think these ways. But it's also going to prevent you from being stuck in the past. I'm telling you right now, the cross was that big. The cross was that strong. Jesus was enough in that way, on that day, on that cross. And that's why we gather every Sunday. We believe that he was that big of a deal. We believe the power in his name is that big of a deal. We believe that there is freedom found in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe that we are new. We believe that we are alive. And we believe that we are currently, right now, in the good days. And we stand firm in that, we go out in that, we rest in that, we rejoice in that, we celebrate that, we declare that, because it's truth. And that's why we take communion. Every single Sunday we take communion because of that reality. That there was a man that died for us to free us from our past and to be, so that we could be defined by him and him alone for our nows and for our futures. Pray with me. Lord, we, uh, we thank you. Thank you for your work on the cross. We thank you for the freedom that is found in your name, that regardless of our shortcomings, regardless of our past, that you are bigger and that you have life on offer for us in the now. We love you, Lord. We give you this day in Jesus' name. We'll see you guys later. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it blessed you. Have fun worshiping. Take communion with who you're with. Just grab something, whatever you got, bread or juice. Take it in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Have a great day.